Welcome to the Forensic Nutritionist Podcast. My name is Fiona Tuck. I'm a nutritional medicine practitioner and a qualified skin therapist for over 25 years. The Forensic Nutritionist Podcast takes an investigative approach into all things nutrition, gut health and skin, using qualified experts to bring you information that you can trust. We are all unique. The information presented herein is not intended to diagnose, to treat or cure disease. Please seek professional medical guidance prior to modifying any diet, exercise or lifestyle program. Let us begin. On the podcast today, we have Dr. Will Bulsiewicz, otherwise known as Dr. B, the Gut Health MD. Dr. B is a medical doctor and gastroenterologist and author of the brand new fabulous book called Fiber Fueled. Dr. B, thank you so much for taking time to chat to us today. Fiona, it is a great pleasure to come on the show. Um, I love recording with someone in Australia because it's just cool to think about the fact that you're on the other side of the world, you know? It is so cool. And it took me a while to try and get the time difference around my head. And this is actually the first podcast we've done with um, the States. So can you just tell everyone whereabouts exactly are you? You're on the east, aren't you? I'm on the east coast. And it's a um, smaller city. It's called Charleston in South Carolina. So some people may know the, the Carolinas as you move south towards Florida. So we're kind of in the southeast of the United States. And Charleston is known for being a beautiful city with a historic downtown. It's a very old city by American standards. Um, it has a history dating back to the 1600s. And we also have a lot of water. We're a coastal town. And we have a lot of rivers. Like there's two major rivers that... Um, basically form a peninsula where downtown is. And so that's what we're known for. It's a beautiful coastal town, somewhat tropical, um, nice restaurants. And Condé Nast, which is a travel magazine in the United States, rated us the number one city in the world to visit. So for people who are coming to the States to visit, if you're going to take a tour of the United States, come join me in Charleston and let's hang out. Wow. Well, I'm hoping to come out. Well, I was planning to come over next year. We'll, we'll see how we go. But um, yeah. Like it's Charleston's on my list and if I'm, I'm going to come and visit you at some point for sure. Um, I have a copy of your amazing new book sitting on my desk and I was just saying to you just before we started recording, I am so excited by this book because it's absolutely everything I live and breathe and talk about and teach about and you've got the most incredible information about gut health in here and we'll talk about it a little bit later but I'm just excited today to be to really pick your brain and, and talk to you in depth about gut health and in particular the sort of the, the topic today is sort of the importance of fiber and, and getting the the right foods in the diet to help with gut health but as a gastroenterologist how did you become interested in a healthy diet? Because that's not really something that that's taught in med school, is it, when it, it comes to gut health? No, it's not taught. We, you know, med school for me was um, 15 years ago. And I think I had a two-week course and it wasn't really practical nutrition. You know, the two-week course on nutrition was stuff like Hey, what what is the what is the what are the symptoms that you see in someone that has like this rare 
you know, um, vitamin deficiency? Like, what do you see with this rare vitamin deficiency that you'll never see in your entire career? So, I mean, that's what nutrition was in medical school. It wasn't practical. It wasn't like, hey, how should someone eat to actually prevent and reverse disease? And, you know, the, the way I came to this place is this. I had to become sick myself. And I was 30 years old and had gained more than 20 kilograms since high school and um, high blood pressure and anxiety and, you know, honestly feeling depressed, feeling like having low energy, having low self-esteem. I mean, basically I was not in a great place and, you know, it's a tough thing, period, but Additionally, I'm a medical doctor and my medical training didn't really provide me with solutions to my own issue. You know, I needed to be better. I was not going to carry on feeling the way that I did and I needed a way out and I, and traditional medicine just didn't have that. So I needed something. And the thing that changed for me was actually when I met my wife because she ate differently than me. Um, she ate a plant-based diet. I'd never been around someone like that before. And I noticed that she was eating without restriction and, you know, just really enjoying her food and eating tons of it. And yet she maintained a completely healthy weight. And there I was more than 20 kilos up over what I consider to be my healthy weight. And so I, it opened my mind. And I started with a very simple thing, which was instead of getting a burger for dinner, one day I decided to go home and instead make a smoothie and I felt great and I was energized and I went to the gym an hour later and I smashed a workout and that made me feel like, gosh, I want to feel that way again. And so I came back again for day two and you know, I, it wasn't an overnight transformation. It took me years to transition my diet. But as I did this, the weight melted away you know, my skin changed, my hair thickened. I started to look younger. Um, I'm 40 years old and I get asked more today at 40, whether or not I'm old enough to be a doctor than I did when I was 30. <laughs> That's, great. So, That's great. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's like, you know, like I, I actually appreciate when people ask me that. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 and I drive a minivan. Like, you know what I mean? I got kids. <laughs> and, um, so, but the bottom line is this, I, by becoming ill myself and having medical issues that needed to be dealt with and not having the solutions coming from my traditional Western medical training, it opened my mind to, I need to find a way out of this. And then I discovered the power of nutrition. And as I dug in at the end of the day, I'm a scientist. And so if the research wasn't there, I am not going to be fully on board with it. Mm-hmm. But as I dug into the research, I was shocked that I had never heard anything about this because there were literally thousands and thousands of studies to support this way of life. Yeah. And so, and it guided me in this path that now, you know, after I healed myself, I healed my gut. I lost the weight. I, I lost all tw- more than 20 kilos. And I got my life back. I felt like myself. I felt energized. I felt wonderful. And so I brought these ideas into my clinic. Right. And I started healing my patients. And all of a sudden, like, I'm reversing complex digestive disease with food. 
And it was so powerful that I had to put it out into the world. And it started with an Instagram account and then I started podcasting. And now Fiona, you're holding my book. Exactly. It is. And what a great book it is. So when when you see your patients, what are some of the common, you know, common complaints that you see and how much of a link do you see with your patients with with diet do you do you find sort of um there's a very common pattern with them all eating similar types of food so the you know as gastroenterologist i see people with digestive disorders almost every person that walks through the door has gas, bloating, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, heartburn, some sort of combination of those symptoms. Mm. And I, I believe that 100% of my patients have damage to their gut microbiome. Yep. I believe that they all have dysbiosis. And then when I look at my patients, I'll just give you an example. There's a patient that I saw yesterday who had migraine headaches eczema, she had hypothyroid, and she had endometriosis. And I look at that list, and she's here to see me for her gut issue, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? When I fix her gut issue, I bet a lot of these other things are going to get better too. Yes. Because they're all connected back to her gut. Yep. So... Everything's connected. And, you know, I think in the West, it's something that Western medicine hasn't taken a lot of that into consideration when you think about sort of thousands of years with more traditional Chinese medicine type philosophies. But, you know, now the exciting thing is that we are looking at that link between gut health and general health and well-being and the effect it has on pretty much everything in the body. When we talk about, you know, you were saying, you know, a lot of disease is sort of linked to dysbiosis and, and things like increased gut permeability. When we, when we talk about dysbiosis, what are some of the um, causes of that, do you think? Um, I, so I believe that most dysbiosis is connected back to our lifestyle, to, to our diet and lifestyle. Um, but there's other things too. And so actually in chapter two of my book, chapter two is called overfed, undernourished and hypermedicated. Yep. And what I'm describing there is that's our life in 2020. Yep. You know, that's the way that most of us are. And you, you consider like, take a step back for a moment and consider what life was like just a hundred years ago for our great grandparents or for our grandparents. I, I actually would say our great grandparents because they would be adult at that point. And, you know, they, they didn't have television. They didn't have computers. They um, cooked their own food. They very rarely went out to a restaurant. There was no processed food. The, they knew the farmer. They knew the farm. If they ate meat, they knew where the meat came from. And it wasn't like a factory farm where they're pumped up with hormones and antibiotics. They did a lot more exercise. They walked more. They spent more time outdoors. They had recreational activities that were not sitting on the couch. You know, they had to do something else because there was no television. Yeah. So life was radically different. And that was just a hundred years ago. 
And if you think about this change that's occurred, virtually everything that I just described is part of what feeds into dysbiosis. And it's that our lifestyle and our diet has changed so radically. You know, now here we are and in the United States, and I believe this is true, you know, because Australia and the United States were so similar from a cultural perspective. Most meals are being consumed at a restaurant or being picked up from a restaurant. You're not cooking your own food. In the United States, the average person's diet is just 10% fruits and vegetables, and it is 60% processed food, which is, you know, stuff that has chemicals that we don't even know what they do. Yep. And it's 30% meat, dairy, and eggs. But in the case of meat, dairy, and eggs, most of it is meat and dairy that's been pumped up with hormones and antibiotics. And so that's the American diet. And then you have the, you know, lifestyle. We're not exercising. We're sedentary. We sit on our couch and watch television. We have disrupted sleep. Um, you know, we don't go to bed at a normal time. We expose ourselves to blue light late in the night, late in the evening, which can affect our circadian rhythm, which affects our gut. We don't spend time outdoors. Um, where, I mean, I would argue we're less social mm-hmm. because of social media, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. And when we're talking about dysbiosis and, and things such as sort of increased gut permeability, which you, you talk about in your book, can you just explain to listeners what that actually is for people that, that aren't aware of it? Yeah, dys- dysbiosis refers to damage to the gut microbiome. You know, just to define the microbiome for a moment, we're these big, strong humans, but we're not alone. You know, we are completely covered from head to toe with invisible microbes. You can't see them unless you get out a microscope, but they're mostly concentrated inside your gut, specifically within your large intestine, or we can also call that your colon. That's where most of them live. The number of them is staggering, 39 trillion. That is the number of stars that exist in our galaxy, all of them, every single star, times 100. That's how many microbes you have living inside of you right now. And they're not just you know there, they're not just along for the ride, they're actually completely intertwined with human health and play a critical role, not just in digestion, but they play a quick critical role in optimizing our immune system, our metabolism, balancing our hormones, affecting our brain, the way that we think, our mood, and they even affect our genetics. So they are very, very important. And when they are living the way that they're supposed to, which is in harmony and in balance, we call that eubiosis, eubiosis. And so when you disrupt that harmony and balance, we call it dysbiosis. And what you would see when you look at dysbiosis is you would see a loss of diversity, meaning a loss of species within the gut. When you lose species, that's a bad thing because that's kind of like losing factory workers that are specialized. So you're missing out on specific bacteria that are supposed to be there doing a job and they're not there anymore. So you see a loss of diversity. And with that, generally you will see increase of the inflammatory bacteria and a decrease in the anti-inflammatory bacteria. So in other words, more bad guys, less good guys. When this happens, when you, when you see a pattern like that in terms of the bacteria, what ends up happening is it affects the lining of the colon. 
And the lining of the colon, which has this barrier, which is meant to protect you, it's like a wall. It starts having holes punched in. And those holes lead to what's called increase intestinal permeability. And some people call that leaky gut. And that's perfectly fine as far as I'm concerned to call it leaky gut. But that's what we're referring to is dysbiosis. And when that happens, those holes exist in the barrier within the colon. When that occurs, now you have the ability of toxins that are not supposed to be getting into your bloodstream. They start sneaking into your bloodstream. And those toxins can spread throughout the body and affect the way that your body functions and cause inflammation. Mm. It, it's just so fascinating. And, and this is what we call sort of endotoxins, correct? Yeah, those are the bacterial endotoxins, which spread through the bloodstream. And um, other people might call them lipopolysaccharide. And the, they're produced, these bacterial endotoxins are produced by the, the, the microbes that live inside of you. You know, I described them, the bad guys versus the good guys. The bad guys produce bacterial endotoxins. So when you see the emergence of more bad guys, they're basically churning out this, you know, inflammatory toxin, the bacterial endotoxin. And the bacterial endotoxin, it spreads throughout the body and it can do anything from low grade smoldering inflammation. And that could be the type of inflammation that causes heart disease or cancer or Alzheimer's, or things of that variety, more chronic disorders. Or in some cases, when a person gets really sick with an overwhelming infection, there's so much bacterial endotoxin being released that it actually activates sepsis. Mm. And sepsis is where your body becomes, basically it starts to fail, incapable of doing the functions that you need and this is the person who is critically ill in the hospital and needs to be in the intensive care unit. They're not conscious. They're not aware of what's going on around them. They're breathing 30 or 40 times a minute. Their blood pressure starts dropping. Their heart rate is up at 150. You know, I'm painting a picture of a person who is critically ill. And that's what occurs when you have excessive release of bacterial endotoxin in response to an overwhelming infection. Yeah. And of course, it could be more of a low-grade thing, which could present as common symptoms that people may not even connect with gut health. Absolutely. It could be, you know, the, there's these symptoms, for example, br brain fog. Yep. A lot of doctors, they hear brain fog and they're like, I don't even know what that is. But I'll tell you what it is. Brain fog occurs when you have damage to the gut, release a bacterial endotoxin, and believe it or not, it starts to affect the blood-brain barrier in the same way that your gut barrier was affected. And that's when people get feelings of brain fog and fatigue and things of that variety. Yeah, makes, makes total sense to me, but I think there's still this, um, I guess, lack of awareness that people are connecting gut health to what most people would call now sort of common everyday symptoms that a lot of people just put up with and they don't make that, that correlation to the gut. So let's talk about, um, Dr. B, what we can do to help to strengthen the lining of the gut, you know, help repair increased gut permeability. And, and I know you're really big on sort of short chain fatty acids and the fiber. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> this is my obsession. Um, yeah. well, I'm there with you. I'm all about that too. So yeah. This conversation is music to my ears. Oh, I love it. Thank you. So, 
you know, when I decided that I wanted to call the book Fiber Fueled, I had a lot of people push back and tell me that that was a bad idea. And the reason why is they said, fiber is boring. Mm-hmm. No one would ever get excited about fiber. But you know what? I, I legitimately believe that when people read this book, they are going to be excited about fiber. Because what, what I am showing you is the incredible healing power of fiber which is amazing. There is a connection between fiber and our gut microbes. You know, we have been taught, Fiona, that fiber goes in the mouth, passes through untouched, and it comes out the other end. It's not true. I mean, that's not true. That's in some cases partially true, but soluble fiber, which is prebiotic fiber, does not just go in the mouth and come out the other end. It passes through the 15 feet, like the um, six meters of small intestine to get to the colon. And when it gets there, the gut microbes get into an absolute feeding frenzy because fiber is food for the gut. This is what they eat. And so when you consume foods that contain fiber, which are plant foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grain, seeds, nuts, and legumes, when you consume those foods, you are feeding the microbes in your gut. They thrive, they multiply, they get stronger, and then they turn around and they say, thank you so much for feeding me. I'm going to pay you back. And they produce short chain fatty acids, butyrate, acetate, and propionate. All right. I honestly, Fiona, I honestly have no clue why we spend so much time debating the merits of things like lectins and, you know, phytates and phytoestrogens. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's not, it's not worth talking about, but we spend so much time creating these complexes where people are getting scared of their food and then trying to dispel those myths. And instead, what we should be talking about is the healing power of things like short-chain fatty acids. Let's stop running away from the food and let's start running to the stuff that actually heals us. Yes, I couldn't agree more with you. I had a conversation the other day. I haven't put the podcast up and I probably won't actually (laughs) because it was all about, you know, scaring people about lectins and not eating not eating whole grains and not eating legumes and all these things are bad for you and should, you should really eat a carnivore diet and it was so far off what you and I would um, be promoting that I was like oh there's a lot of misinformation out there this person actually wasn't a medical doctor and I think you know there's a lot of influencer type people out there that are still pushing this paleo style diet and not understanding the importance of the fiber and why we need these um short chain fatty acids so what you're saying dr b i i'm just so so with you on that and i think you know just somebody the other day even said yes but what about the lectins and um i'm glad you touched on that because to me it just doesn't stand up when you think of the benefits of having um things like legumes in your diet you know fiona so i i'll tell you what i want to divert i hope you don't mind i'm going to divert away from short chain fatty acids then we'll come back to it yep um and i just want to address this that 
you know, even if it is a medical doctor who's telling you that this diet is good for you, the people who are at home right now, I, I want you to be smart consumers and I want you to be able to find truth within the noise because the yeah. reality is that because the internet exists, it creates an opportunity for every single person to have whatever opinion they want and put it on the internet and then claim to be an expert. Yes. And the problem is that in the United States, we have, we have 1.1 million doctors. Okay. 1.1 million doctors. You should expect that there will be at least one doctor that will tell you that eating an all meat diet is going to be good for you. That doesn't mean that it's good. Hmm. Right. So if this person, if this doctor or whoever it may be, can't get other legitimate scientists to support what they're saying. The reason why is because the science is not there and the scientists are looking for real science. They don't want to put their reputation on the line for something that's just pieced together and engineered. So I, um, the reason I'm bringing this up is I created a research guide to complement my book. Fantastic. And my book has more than 600 references. And whether you guys buy my book or not, I'll give you the references for free and you can review them. They're, these are to me the, the foundation of gut health. And I also created an entire, uh, essentially a white paper, like a write-up, meant to take the person who is sitting there right now being like, I am so confused. Yeah. I just don't even know what to believe anymore. And I, I want to take that person and be like, let me teach you enough fundamentals about research so that you can sniff out the quack or the, or the nonsense and so that you can move and gravitate towards the legitimate science. Because at the end of the day, the person who is trying to find health, the path to health is with legitimate science. That is the compass. And you need tools to understand how to navigate the complexities of the internet where there's all this misinformation. So that's something that, by the way, is completely free for anyone who's interested. And it's at my website, theplantfedgut.com. But back to short-chain fatty acids. They, short-chain fatty acids come from fiber. If you want them, that's the way that you get them. Fiber, when you consume it, is metabolized by your gut microbes. They chew it up, they eat it, and they release short-chain fatty acids as the gift to thank you for feeding them. And they have healing effects throughout the entire body. Right there, in the gut, you know, I talked about dysbiosis and how it's, okay, alteration of the microbes, breakdown of the tight junctions, increase intestinal permeability, and release of bacterial endotoxin. Short-chain fatty acids reverse every single one of those steps. They fix it. They, we love short-chain fatty acids. They connect to the immune system. They connect to your metabolism. They activate the satiety hormones so that you don't overeat. They help you to regulate your cholesterol. They, can, they help you to regulate your blood sugar, preventing and reversing type 2 diabetes. They go all the way up to the brain. They affect your mood, your focus. There are studies that suggest they prevent Alzheimer's disease. It is incredible, the power of these things. And it shocks me that no one's talking about them other than yeah. you and I. So I'm glad that we're here I to know. have this conversation. <laughs> I'm doing it here in Australia for you. And when you're talking about the fiber, I mean, all fiber is great. But I think let's just clarify, because when you say fiber, people are probably just thinking that they have to sit there with a big bowl of bran and they think that's fiber. 
um, you're really talking about a lot of different fruits and vegetables and, and healthy foods and particularly the prebiotic fiber. So fiber, fiber, um, first of all, is exclusive to plants. If you want it, you have to eat plants. Second of all, fiber is not just fiber. So it's not about counting grams of fiber. You have to understand every single plant has its own unique types of fiber. Fiber is not just always the same. Every plant has its own unique types. And those unique types of fiber will feed unique types of microbes. So when we think about gut health, we want diversity. We want maximum diversity of species. And the way that we get maximum diversity of species is when you eat a diet with maximum diversity of plants that gives you as many different types of fiber as possible. And that supports all the different types of bacteria that can live inside of you. Now, Fiona, this like, of course, sounds great in theory, but I, as I said, am a scientist. So I'm not going to write a book where the backbone of my argument is something that is a theory. I write a book where the backbone of my argument is proven. And there is a study that was done by a scientist named Rob Knight, who actually is from New Zealand. And um, he, it's called the American Gut Project. It is the largest study to connect diet and lifestyle to the health of our gut microbiome. It is the best resource to answer the question, what is it about diet and lifestyle that predicts a healthy gut? And when they analyze their data, the clear cut above all else, number one predictor of a healthy gut was the diversity of plants in your diet. So for the people at home, no matter who you are, don't count grams of fiber. I don't, I have no clue how many grams. I've never done it. I have no clue how many grams of fiber. Don't count grams of fiber. Count types of plants and focus on trying to get more into your day. Yeah, I think that's great feedback. And I think that the recommended amount of fiber here is sort of 28 to 30 grams. But as you said, who actually counts it? <laughs> um, and I think, well, you we know, encouraging people to get that diversity of different plant-based foods. And I think the current recommendation is 30 different plant-based foods. I actually say 40 because if you say 30, people won't get there. Um, would you agree with that? So, so in this study, the recommendation of 30 actually comes from this study. Yep. And, and it, with the statistics, the way that they're running the analysis, you have to understand that they had to choose a threshold somewhere. So they chose 30. Yeah. And, but it doesn't mean that magically 29 is different than 30 and 30 is different. You know, it's not that much of a magic threshold. It's more so that more is better. Yeah. So I agree with you. You should shoot for 40. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be difficult. Let me give you a quick example. So I have a young family. My daughter is six. My son is three. Sometimes we're tired and we're not going to cook some like, you know, gourmet meal. We're just going to keep it simple. So we'll make spaghetti and tomato sauce. All right. So we will do organic whole wheat spaghetti with tomato sauce. That's two plants. That's not very much diversity. But you can get the sauce simmering, throw in some garlic, onions, mushrooms, zucchini, 
maybe some greens, some spinach or some kale. You let it simmer a little bit. The house smells amazing. The kids are excited to eat. And then when you serve it, you get the basil, get the fresh parsley, whatever herbs you like, you get them in there. And now all of a sudden, a simple meal that wasn't that hard to make, you have like nine plants and it's good for you, but it's even better for your gut microbiome. And that's the beautiful thing about this. It's easy, it's delicious, it tastes great, and it's great for your gut microbiome. Yeah. And uh, I mean, when I actually say to people, you know, the sort of aim for a baseline of of 30, try and go for 40, they just sort of look at me and say, oh my God, that's so much. But if you think about it, it is so easy to do. And we're not just, you know, we're also talking about plant-based foods. So that does include things like legumes, whole grains, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables. Exactly. Uh, It's really easy to get there. It's just about encouraging people. If they're having some yoga, have it with some berries and some nuts and and try and increase the plant foods that way. And as you said, add the herbs. I mean, herbs are incredible. They've got incredible properties and, you know, talking them on the whole subject, we won't go there today. We don't have time, but I'm, I'm really massively into the concept of nutrigenomics and those plant. I know you mentioned sulforaphane in your book um, and we don't really have time to go there today, but you know, the, we, we know the importance, not only for the fiber, but those plant compounds and, and how they can actually affect um, the, the sort of cellular defenses of the body as well. So I, I think, you know, the, the magic of plants is just so incredible um, and so and it's powerful. packaged exactly the way that we need it. That's the other beautiful thing is that it, we don't need to worry about engineering it or anything like that. When it, if it's something that you could grow in your garden, it's nature has already packaged it perfectly for you. Yes. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. It's exactly what I say, you know, as, as Mother Nature provided. I mean, talking about getting the plant-based foods, let's talk about then the processed food. Because when we talk about processed food, I think a lot of people think junk food. And we all know that junk food's not good for us. But so much everyday food now, Dr. B, is processed food. You know, if you think even some of these nut milks that have got the additives in and emulsifiers and um, sugars, there's so much in processed food, and you touched on this earlier. But I really do believe that these food additives, such as emulsifiers, do have an impact on our, our gut health and even looking at things like pesticides if they're killing living organisms on um, foods that are growing surely that's having an effect on the microbes in our gut i, I completely agree with you and um you know in chapter two in, in that chapter that we were talking about before overfed undernourished and hypermedicated you know i, I sort of unpack this idea because in the united states and, and, and I don't know how true this is. I, I find that when you compare the United States to Europe or to Australia, usually we're a little bit more lax in our laws. It's like, yes. you know, I don't know. It's like the you cowboy are. mentality. Yeah. <laughs> you are. I think with, um, you know, a lot of even like certain supplements and things like that in, in the States, you can actually sell them unless they do harm to somewhere. Whereas here they have to be proven safe. Um, right. It, it's, it is a little bit more lax. Yeah. So we yeah, let you see the guinea pigs first. It's the, <laughs> exactly. It's like the cowboy culture in the United yeah. States. That's the way that we are. So anyway, um, we, are, we have in, in our food supply, 
10,000 chemicals, 10,000 chemicals. Now I am not trying to turn into a fear monger here, but I do believe in having real conversation about the state of affairs. And the the reality is this 10,000 things in our food supply, less than 20% have had any human testing at all. When they do the human testing, it is not, Hey, what happens to this person over a year? or 10 years, or 30 years. It is, hey, what does this person survive after three days? Okay, cool, yeah, we're good. All right, we, we don't have adequate study to demonstrate safety of the stuff that's in our food supply. Now, out of 10,000, do I think that 9,998 of them are bad for us? No, probably not, but I'm sure that there are some that are. And there's no safe way because the studies just are not there. Now you mentioned emulsifiers. We, we have studies with a few of the emulsifiers, carboxymethylcellulose, polysorbate 80. We have some studies and they do demonstrate damage to the gut microbiome. You know, the challenge is how do you know which ones are good and which ones are bad? Okay. We could do our best to give you guys an idea. We're not going to be able to say with confidence, And then what we're going to do is we're going to create this added level of complexity for our food where now, once again, you have a list of forbidden and allowed foods that you need to follow. I just don't believe in that. I don't believe that it's right for us to have forbidden food lists because basically it puts us into a state where we are starting to like fear our food and then we get eating disorders. Yes. So I'm of the belief that we should just, as much as we can, minimize the processed food. In a perfect world, none. None of us are perfect. I eat processed food sometimes too. I like. We have this um, plant-based ice cream in the United States called Nadamu. I love it. All right. So, but in a perfect world, we would really try to minimize those processed foods, and we would really try to optimize the the real the real whole foods particularly the fruits vegetables whole grains seeds nuts and legumes because that's what feeds your microbiome yeah and you know i sort of say it's a bit like a stacking system it's the amount of a substance that you're eating as well um you know a little bit now and again i'm all sort of balanced moderation but if you're constantly all you eat is processed food that's that's full of these additives then of course it's not going to be a beneficial thing to do. What about things like sugar and high fat? Can you talk to us about what that's doing to the microbiome? Well, um, when it comes to um, sugar, like refined sugars and even artificial sweeteners, clearly it is causing changes to the gut microbiome. You create foods that actually start to thrive on um you know, essentially simple sugar consumption. And what we've seen, you know, honestly, there are some who believe that artificial sweeteners are worse than sugar. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason why is because they may be zero calories. So because of that, we assume that they must be good. But then they cause changes to the gut microbiome that make you more likely to have insulin resistance at future meals. So... Um, You know, with regard to oils, what we see is that you have to understand oil is fat and the type of food that you choose will have 
differential effects. I mean, no matter what food you choose, it's going to affect your microbiome. The type of food that you choose will have differential effects. And what we see with high fat foods is that you basically activate the liver to produce more bile. Bile is what the liver um, uses to help you to absorb fat into your blood. And bile actually affects by itself, affects your gut microbiome. And you see more growth of bacteria that are called bilophilic. That means that they thrive in this environment where there's a lot of bile. Well, that's not a good thing because these bilophilic bacteria, they are essentially universally acknowledged as being inflammatory, meaning that they cause dysbiosis. They release bacterial endotoxin. I'll give you a few examples. There was one bacteria called Biophila wadsworthia, which is associated with high fat consumption. And it is associated with the development of inflammatory bowel disease, like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Mm. Um, the other concern is that these biophilic bacteria take that bile and they transform the bile. This is like the opposite of short chain fatty acids. So before I said fiber, which is prebiotic, gets transformed into short chain fatty acids, which are postbiotic. Okay. Take that same concept, but this time it's take the bile, the bile salts, and these bacteria transform that bile salt into a secondary bile salt. And these secondary bile salts are carcinogens, strongly associated with the development, directly associated with the development of colon cancer. It's no coincidence that colon cancer is associated very strongly with a high fat diet, particularly number one, processed meat, and number two, red meat. So the, um, the point from my perspective is that there is no value to the consumption of sugars or oils. I personally am a believer in really trying to minimize the oil in your diet. Um, when people talk about taking extra virgin olive oil and like pouring it on and getting more, 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 more. Okay. I want people to understand there's this concept of nutrition. That's very simple that everyone needs to understand because it's so important. You can make any food look good in nutrition. If you choose the right comparison. Yes. Nutrition is all about substitutions. You get rid of one thing and you replace it with another. You can make olive oil look like the healthiest thing on the planet when you compare it to many of the highly processed oils that are out there. That doesn't mean that you're better off with olive oil than without it. You are better off without it. It's high calorie, high fat, and zero fiber. So I guess the bottom line is we, what we really need is we need to shift this pendulum towards more plants that are real food and less of these processed things, including oils and sugars. Absolutely. And when you're talking about olive oil, what about that, the extra virgin olive oil, which has got the, the polyphenols, which are, are meant to be like a, a prebiotic for the, the beneficial microbes? That would be of that. all the types of oil, yep. of all the types of oil, all extra virgin olive oil is clearly the way to go from my, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, the thing that I encourage is that you want to consume it in moderation. I'm, I'm just saying like, don't go overboard. Don't go drinking it. 
Yeah. <laughs> don't go drinking it because some people are actually advocating that right now. So absolutely. And you know, that whole uh, bulletproof coffee, which has got the butter and the coconut, oil, you know, coconut oil that so many people think is a, is a healthy oil really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and I think it's a great point, the- by the way, thank you for bringing that up. That is so important for people to understand coconut oil, saturated fat. Yeah. And that, that causes dysbiosis. Yeah. Yes. And I think there were some even studies on, um, the um, types of acids in the coconut oil on gut integrity as well, on the integrity of the lining of the gut, weakening the integrity of the lining of the gut, um, which was I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, so, I, you know, people literally having gallons of this coconut oil or even drinking it in coffee with butter and more saturated fat. And, um, again, I think it does all come down to balance, moderation, if you hear a little bit of something and then taking it out of context and then having loads of that, it's obviously going to have a, um, an out of balance and a, a negative effect. And I think this is where it goes so wrong in the media. People um, read something and then start drinking it or bathing in it or, you know, literally taking it out of context. And what you're saying makes total sense. It's balanced moderation and eat a, a fresh whole food diet, cutting back on the processed foods and really upping the, the fiber, the prebiotic fiber for general health and well-being. I love your book. So um, everything you're speaking about, even with, you know, talking about the, um, the bacteria, um, from that's produced with high fat diet and something you mentioned in your book as well. And I really encourage people to go out and, and buy the book because it, whether you're a, a professional um, dietitian, nutritionist, or just somebody interested in gut health, you really have got a great balance for everyone in your book. And something you mentioned that I thought was fascinating was exercise um, can actually help to increase uh, the healthy microbes in the gut by 40%, I think it was. Yeah, in the animal model study, they saw 40%. Now, of course, as you know, Fiona, the animal model studies yeah. don't always perfectly translate, but I think that the what we're looking for when we look at these animal model studies, what we're looking for is we're looking for clues, and then we want to confirm them in a human population. So, you know, one of the things that people need to, to understand when they're thinking about research is don't ever accept just the animal model study by itself at face value. Always ask for confirmation in a real person. Um, but when they did study humans, they found similar results. And the fascinating thing is this. This is what I love. And I think you're going to dig this. I, I, I'm sure you saw it in the book. When they studied humans, what they found is that when people exercised, there was a shift in the gut that made their gut more capable of producing short chain fatty acids. Now, my interpretation of that is that the body is effectively rewarding us and the reward, the currency of the reward is short chain fatty acids, whether it's eating a clean diet with fiber or it is getting exercise, or even in studies with sleep, getting adequate amounts of sleep. In all of these cases, what you see is that when you do the right thing, the gut becomes more capable of producing short chain fatty acids. It's just further confirmation of how important they are. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, these short-chain fatty acids are affecting the body systemically, aren't they? It's not just sort of in the gut. It's, it's having a profound effect on pretty much everything in the body. Everything, all the way up to the brain, every single organ. Just fabulous. Um, now, I know sort of we're, a, we're pushed for time today, so um, I could talk to you forever because hmm. I just love everything that that you're saying i know your book is going to be a huge success because it's written it, it's not fanatical it's written with passion it's written with research and it's one of those things that when you read it it resonates because it's common sense and i sort of it's frustrating that people don't get the fiber concept and i think when people understand what fiber is and it's not just having that bowl of you know breakfast cereal some people may think it is um you can have a healthy delicious diet that is is really fueling you with the fiber for a healthy gut um i i think your book just nails it because you've also got the examples of the recipes in there and um a healthy meal plan for people to get on, you know, that eating more plant bandwagon. And I, I think, you know, the benefits for everyone is going to be fantastic. Where can we get your book from? All right. So first of all, I, I want to apologize to my friends down under in Australia because I love <laughs> you guys because I somehow managed to choose the title of a book where both words are spelled differently in Australia. I know. I looked at it and I said, it's spelled incorrectly. I got the fiber and then I looked at the fjord and then I was thinking, is that how you spell fjord? Oh, it must be the American spelling. It's funny. I love it. That's the way we spell it. So we spell fiber, F-I-B-E-R. Of course, yep. you guys are slightly different. Oh, and then yes. um, and then we spell fueled with only with one, one L. L. Yeah. So now fiber fueled my book is um, available now for you guys to purchase. And there's a couple of ways that you could do this. If you want the hardcover copy of the book and you want it now, then the easiest thing to do is go to Book Depository. And you can search on Book Depository. If you have any trouble, reach out to me online on social media and I'll help you. But Book Depository, type in Fiber Fueled. Remember, you got to type it the weird American way. You'll find it. It'll come um, up anyway. It does come up, yeah. It does anyway. Okay, cool. Um, that that's one way that you can order the book to Australia, and that you, you basically you, what you'll get is you'll get our American book shipped overseas. If you want to use the Kindle, or if you want the audiobook, those are also available for your download. The audiobook will probably be coming in June, so that'll be a little bit after this podcast is released. And then I'll be honest. So I have actually a ton of followers in Australia, believe it or not. I don't know if you knew that about me, Fiona. No, but I'm one of them. Awesome. I love it. So actually, Sydney and Melbourne are two of my top cities along with New York and Charleston. And um, it comes back to actually, I had a podcast go viral with my friend Simon Hill, who has the Plant Proof podcast and he's Australian. Fantastic. So, um, So anyway, I think that the book will someday be released in Australia. The problem is I'm not the one who gets to make that decision. If it was, I would be releasing it right now. So I think it will be coming in the future and they'll probably change the spelling of fiber and fueled. But um, 
I can't say when that is. So if you guys want the book now, then you have to go through one of these ways, book depository, or you can download the audio or the Kindle. Yeah, I think book, book depository is really easy and they're very quick to deliver or, you know, normally are anyway, depend, you know, obviously with the COVID things are a little bit slower. Um, but um, that's how I buy most of my books anyway. So I think um, easy, easy to get hold of. And um, I thoroughly recommend this book and I will be recommending it to, to everybody because I absolutely love it. And it's just um, an incredible, incredible information in there that's going to benefit so many people. And for those people that aren't following you at the moment, I'm sure after today they will want to be. Can you just tell everybody your Instagram? The gut, it's the gut health md yeah so i'm on instagram as the gut health md i am also on facebook under the same name and um i have my website which is theplantfedgut.com i um alluded to it earlier because i have my research guide which is completely free and i hope you guys enjoy it i hope it's helpful like i really truly do thank um, you I'll be, I'll be, I'll be checking that out. So thank you. Oh, I'll send you, I'll send it to you right now. And then I also have a COVID-19 guide and I have an email list. And so if you guys enjoy this content and you want to stay up to date with what's going on with me, then, then there's all that. And then the last thing I was just gonna say real quick, Fiona is I also have been developing an online course and I have gone through two rounds of beta testing it and have had like amazing results. Amazing. Great. And this is on similar information on gut health? It, it's, a, it's similar to what you find in the book. Basically, the course is developed in, with the idea of the person who wants to optimize their gut and take a deeper dive into gut health beyond the book. It's going to be a seven-week course, and I'm hoping to launch it in June or July. Fantastic. So um, I just need to shoot it. You know, I need to shoot the video, and that's a little bit tough with the COVID yeah, absolutely. And and just to clarify as well, when we're talking gut health, you don't necessarily have to have gut symptoms and issues. Gut health is going to benefit everyone because you could have symptoms that you may not realize are related to the gut. So it's interesting. And I think this is a great, you know, great uh, question to address right here at the end, which is that like, I, I don't, I don't care who you are and whether or not you have any medical issue you should care about gut health. And, you know, for me, I healed myself by fixing my gut, but here I am and I'm 40 and I'm very fortunate. I feel very fortunate truly that I'm healthy and I want to stay that way. And all of the principles that you find in this book, I'm living them myself and I take my own medicine because I really truly believe in everything that I teach you guys. And, um, and I never let go or take my foot off the gas when it comes to my gut health, because I know when the gut is right, so is the immune system. So is the metabolism. So is the hormones. So is the brain. You get everything in alignment, the way that your body is supposed to function. And that's why you want to be fiber fueled, honestly. Absolutely. Dr. B, thank you. You've been incredible. Fiona, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it.